Hi, this is Ryan. Hey, this is Lisa. From, from Purple, Purple Cow, Cow Organics. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show will start in 3, 2, 1. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. After 20 years, still Chicago's only deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Saturday morning on 1590 WCGO. Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. They're sometimes called the odd couple. If only because the word aberrant doesn't fit in the logo. Here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. High forests, the wetlands, well, good planets are in the main. Right. Ellen! 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 Ow! Ellen! 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 Okay, we're done. Oh, we're so easily amused around here. I don't think that's Alan, mate. Steve. Alan. What? Mike? We're Steve. No, uh, yeah, right, exactly. For five minutes, I'll be playing it again. Oh, that is the funniest thing. If, if folks don't know what I'm talking about, you know what? I'll tell you what. If you do know what I'm talking about, um, send us a tweet, send us a Facebook, and uh, or an email, and I'll give you a prize. I'll figure. I'll figure. I'll give you a book, or I'll give you something. Just Ooh, we can clean out all of our books. That would be nice, wouldn't it? I actually have one that I threw in the bag. I finally remembered mm-hmm. for my trek after the show today. And by the way, hi, Ben. Good Hello. morning, Ben. Where's Randall? Randall's learning other things. The, the guy that Ben is teaching to take his job. He's, 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 he's. Ben's bailing. He's training his replacement. replacement. Oh, yeah. That is just so sad, Ben. I'm leaving key details out so i look better <laughs> i know we, we we established that yesterday it's like that's what you do when you train your replacement a because you're honked off at management for replacing you b for making you then replace i i've done that and and we talked about it yesterday i have trained my replacement in the past it's uh well at least they didn't fire me first yeah so they're gonna fire you after you train them yeah i guess that's <laughs> okay that's the way that's gonna work okay so Randall will be here. This is the honey badger. No, that not that Randall, folks. Different Randall. Uh, I need to get the honey badger 
audio up as well because all I have right now is Alan. 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 <laughs> Alan. 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 Al. Alan. Okay. That's going to be you sitting in traffic and That is going to be me sitting in traffic. So right after the show today, we're getting out of here. Headed down to Southern Illinois, and the first thing I'm going to do is just start listening to reports. Oh, and I meant to say hello to Ariana, too. I, I said hi to Ben. And I, Candace knows what Ellen is. Alan, Candace, 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 <laughs> Candace. Where's, is that on the... It's on Facebook. On Facebook? Good for her. All right, give she her... She wins a prize. You got a prize. Uh, you got a... I am... Uh, how do we get her address? Um, Mike at MikeNovak.net, don't you think? Yeah. C- Candace, send something, and we'll, and I'm going to send you a prize. I have no idea what it is. And I'm writing it down, and we'll track you down on Facebook, too. Yeah, we'll hunt you down like a prairie dog. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send her a prairie dog. Like, like, oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, we'll hunt her down like this. Alan! 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 Okay, okay. At any rate, so right after the show, and we have a great show today. Oh, my goodness, we have a lot going on in the show, and it all involves science. So um, we've got Alan, science, (laughs) Alan, science. Run quick. Alan, science. Uh, And uh, Jessica Chipkin and Scott Beckstead are on. Jessica is from... um, Crate Free, Illinois. Scott Beckstead is the uh, Senior Organ Director and Rural Affairs Director of the Humane Society. We've got a big event coming up next week. I'm going to be the moderator. It's going to be at Nana Restaurant in Bridgeport in Chicago about factory farms and announcing uh, the formation of their, uh, which uh, you didn't put on. Illinois Agriculture Advisory Council. Thank you. Put it on the cheat sheet. It is. (laughs) It is? Where? Uh, oh, it's in the headlines. Oh, my goodness, you have it in bold. Okay. That's why we didn't see it. The, that's right, because I'm just looking at the uh, the other stuff. So uh, they're here. And then second hour, Michelle Hoffman back from the wilds of Florida with uh, Mark Schick from uh, the Shed Aquarium. And they're talking coral, and they're talking all these floating creatures down mm-hmm. there. And it's really, really cool stuff. And Rick DeMaio. And Rick DeMaio's on today, too. How cool is that? And then I hit the road and get it. Caught in a traffic jam on the way to Southern we'll Illinois Alan to see the, all the way up here <laughs> to do the eclipse. I see phones. Uh, blink, uh, I bet we've got our, our guests uh, coming up. So uh, that's all today. Eight four seven four seven five fifteen ninety. It is the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki and Ariana is in the building as well. Stick Hello. around. Are you ready to make a positive change in the world around you? One that's easy and creates beauty. Make the switch to native plants, natural communities' native plants. Enjoy the elegance of nature, the birds, the pollinators, and yes, even monarch butterflies, without the excessive maintenance and without pesticides. Natives create food for pollinators and birds, offset climate change, cleanse water, reduce floodwaters, and they look great. Natural Communities has more than 200 species of affordable woodland, wetland, and prairie plants, as well as shrubs, trees, and seeds native to the Midwest. And now is the time to get those plants established in your yard for a head start next year. Go to naturalcommunities.net. And if you use the word NOVAK, N-O-W-A-K, at checkout, you'll get 10% off your purchase until October 1st. Don't just get back to nature. Create it in your own backyard. Go to naturalcommunities.net.
This is Mike Novak. Join me on Friday, August 25th for a discussion about factory farms at Nana Organic Restaurant in the Bridgeport neighborhood of Chicago. I'm moderating a forum presented by Crate Free Illinois with noted sustainability experts, including Mark Ayers, Illinois Director for the Humane Society, which is launching its Illinois Agriculture Advisory Council. That's August 25th at Nana, 3267 South Halstead Street in Chicago. It starts at noon and it's free. See you there. Streets Alive is Evanston's free annual Open Streets event, and it's coming to Main Street in Evanston this September 10th from 1 to 5 p.m. Streets Alive features a climbing wall, yoga, karate demos, music, interactive art, delicious food, and more. It also includes the Evanston Green Living Festival for folks looking for products, services, and ideas that promote sustainable lifestyles. For details, visit evanstonstreetsalive.org. Find out what's going on in Evanston. Tune in to Haggerty's Huddle every other Monday on French and Friends. Brought to you by Chicago Lee Magazine. Name the city's top magazine. Don't just read more, read better. Everybody start the countdown. Alan! 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 And welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki on a beautiful Sunday morning. And our gr- special guest, Alan. And our special guest. <laughs> no, Alan's not here. We're looking for him. Alan! Um, on a, a beautiful day to get caught in traffic on the way to southern Illinois to see the eclipse. Cannot wait for that to happen. But before we do that, let us go uh, right to the phones. And uh, a buddy of ours uh, who's been on the show a number of times, Jessica Chipkin, who is the founder and president of Crate Free Illinois. Jessica, good morning. Good morning, Mike and Peggy. How are you? All right. Now, have you got your parrot in the background? or did Yes. You- he is. He's right here, but he's a little quiet right now. Aww, he really Ezra. is. He'll, he'll, he'll speak up. Don't worry. There, there we go. he is. Good morning, Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and if the pa- the parrot's name was Alan. Ezra. Alan! <laughs> no, the parrot's name is Ezra, not Alan. <laughs> oh, I wish I had one. Ezra! Ezra! We'll do one. Uh, and uh, uh, it's so good to have you back on the show, and congratulations you. on your event that you're you're putting together uh, for next week, uh, before we get into that, let's also bring in Scott Beckstead, who's the Senior Oregon Director and Rural Affairs Director of the Humane Society of the United States. Scott, good morning. Good morning, Mike. Happy to be here. Good morning, Scott. Uh, and I'm happy to have you up because you're in Oregon, and of course it's uh, 717 and not 917. That's right. Uh, I, I'm a little blurry-eyed, and, uh, and uh, you know, it was a late night, so, you know, I, uh, I'm going to do my best here for you. <laughs> a late night. He was out, you know, Scott was out looking for the eclipse last night. I, I, I need to tell you, Scott, it happens during the day, okay? Oh, well, that, that explains a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> so, so he was out all night looking for it, and it didn't happen. And he thought because it was dark, it was in totality, but he couldn't figure out why it was for so long. Uh, <laughs> right. But actually, you're kind of ground zero. Uh, I, I, I have seen reports on the news about traffic uh, in Oregon over the last few days where there are thousands and thousands of people uh, headed to sites 
they're having festivals, eclipse festivals, and traffic is a nightmare. Uh, obviously, you've seen those things, too. Yeah, I have. It, it's worse in, in central Oregon, in the, uh, in the Pineville area where people are headed, because that's part of the totality area. And, uh, um, and I've, I've been seeing reports that the, that the conditions are really bad traffic-wise there, uh, gas stations running out of gas. But in other parts of the state, uh, where in the totality zone, it's, uh, it's, you know, less of a problem than was expected. So I guess it just sort of depends on where you are. Yeah, so if you're going to the fancy places, yeah, get ready for trouble. And I'm, try- I'm hoping that when I go to southern Illinois, I'm, sp- I'm staying away from Carbondale, which is the college town and where a lot of people are headed. I'm, I, in fact, I might just uh, duck into, uh, into Kentucky, um, where it looks like uh, there's nothing going on. But <laughs> you never know what's going to be happening there. So it's all fascinating. But... Um, let us get to the event next week, and Jessica, I'm going to let you start because uh, uh, Scott will be coming in, and we're going to have a, a bunch of people at this event. I'm moderating a panel. Um, it is about factory farms. It is about the formation of the Illinois Agriculture Advisory Council. I'll get to that in a second with you, Scott. But uh, Jessica, talk about the genesis of this and, and how it is that you wanted and why you wanted to do this. Well, it really all started several earlier this year when I decided to do a petition um, that uh, focused on the mashups, who are the largest pork producer in Illinois, and they're also the, um, they're considered to be the largest family-owned pork producer in North America, and they just happen to be located right here in Illinois. So I wanted to talk a little bit about them and... Uh, I wanted to find a way to broadcast what we did, so I started to think about doing an event. And at the same time, the Humane Society was also finalizing its plans to form an advisory council in Illinois. So the two just kind of blended together. So that's how the event came about. But I was, what I'd like to do is just talk a little bit about the mashups and then a little bit about the goal for the petition. And and, and I'm going to interrupt you just for a second so people understand exactly what you're saying because the word, it might sound like gobbledygook to them, but it's mashoffs, and it's spelled M-A-S-C-H-H-O-F-F-S. And the mashoffs, as you've pointed out, uh, is the third largest pork producer in the United States. And you started a change.org petition. Uh, how long ago was that? I started the petition right at the first of the, right in Q1, at the beginning of the year. And it went on for several months. And uh, the request was, you called upon the company to phase out the use of gestation crates mm-hmm. within a specified time period for both family-owned and contract farms and strictly enforce the zero-tolerance policy for all acts of animal abuse, neglect, or failure to provide necessary veterinary care with reporting of all suspected incidents of abuse and neglect to law enforcement. And remarkably, yeah, you got 163,000 people to sign the petition. And not only that, I mean, that's, that's one thing because a lot of people will click on a petition and go, yeah, I'll mm-hmm. sign that. What was amazing is that you got 16,000 comments as well. 
Uh, so I, by any standards, that was a successful petition. Yes, and the people at Change.org were great, and they were they were very helpful. Uh, this is obviously something that they're very interested too, and and they commended us too. They it was really one of the, a, the one of the better outcomes to their petitions in terms of numbers. It is great. So, and, and I and I jumped in there because I wanted people to understand sure. who the Mashoffs are. Mm-hmm. And w- when you buy your meat products, it might not say Mashoffs on there, but there's a really good chance that you're buying something uh, that was produced by a company that is owned by the Mashoffs. Correct. That's, that's right. Um, I just want to give a little bit of fun fact and then talk about the brand. They provide in um, one year enough pork to fill to feed 16 million consumers. They harvest and slaughter about three and a half million pigs a year, and their largest customers are Hormel, Farmland, and Cargo Meat Solutions. So like you said, Mike, a lot of people who do eat pork think, well, that doesn't concern me. I don't eat their stuff. I've never even heard of them. They do have their own label, but that's in the southern part of the state and in St. Louis, which is the area that they're based in, although they have farms in nine states in the Midwest. But their brands are Hormel, Spam, Tender Choice, Farmland, and so on, brands that people are very familiar with. And um, if you buy pork in Target, Walmart, Jewel, Meyer, Mariano's, and so on, you are eating their stuff. So so don't think this, so I don't want people to think just because they don't see a mashup label, they're not consuming this Exa- Exactly. Well, and that's, that's uh, important because even uh, organic brands, as we know, uh, have been uh, acquired by larger companies. And, you know, the consolidation in the food industry is, and in, the, in, in all industries, is a fact of life in the world today. So sometimes you need to connect the dots and follow the chain of command, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah, I think uh, just to, a little A-side on that, people get very confused. They think just because they see the label organic, that means the pigs and the chickens are out in the pasture. But that doesn't mean that at all. It means that the feed that they get while they're confined is organic. Um, President Obama, the very badly missed President Obama. <laughs> uh, sorry. Can we have a, a moment of silence uh, about yes. how we miss yeah. President Obama? Uh, yes. He actually passed, well, it wasn't passed it, but he, he, he was trying to pass mm-hmm. something called the Organic Livestock and Poultry Practices Act that would make it that would make the two the same thing, that if it's organic, it has a much animal higher welfare standard. Of course, now that's being delayed or not going to be passed at or all. Or gutted, perhaps? Yes. Yeah. Well, isn't it even just shelved right now? Yeah. Yeah. But back to the mashup. So one of the points, and, you know, something that's of concern to us in Illinois and the Midwest, is that the mashups are growing very quickly. Just two points on that. One very Recent, I saw in the paper yesterday, thanks to Google Alerts, where I checked the mashup. <laughs> um, there, um, an article was in one of the ag publications just yesterday, where Pre- Vice President Pence was thanking, um, where the mashups were thanking Pence for going to Argentina and facilitating opening up that market to hog producers in the United States, and the mashup said they were. Extremely excited for this, quote, unfettered access to this large pork-consuming nation. So what does that mean? It means that more 
factory farms by the Mashoffs, um, and the Midwest increasingly becomes the world's factory farm. So that's a really significant thing to keep in mind as we address this. And another barometer of how they're growing is that I routinely, well, not routinely, but occasionally look at the career section of their website, and it is amazing how much they're hiring. As of last night, they have 100 positions advertised on their website, which is pretty amazing when you think of that, all in pork production. So mm. they are really growing. And I know that that's another reason that why we're all so grateful that the Humane Society is starting this Ag Council because they are a really major factor here. And as a matter of fact, when I first started Crave Free Illinois, I was in touch with Paul Shapiro, who at that time was head of farm animal protection, and he had told me, keep your eye on the mash-offs, because if you can get them to transition away from gestation crates, a large problem in Illinois will be addressed. So that was another motivation for the petition. So... Uh, yeah, well, that's, that's actually a, a good point in which to 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 bring in Scott because uh, yeah. you you, you uh, talked about their participation and uh, the Humane Society is is I think fairly well known to people across the country. Um, I was uh, cruising your website the other day, Scott, and I was stunned at the breadth of what you do, and it all it made me think of is the organization and. and and how many folks are in there, and how do you keep all those balls in the air? But it's important that you do, because animal welfare is uh, a serious concern. Uh, and this is just one aspect of animal welfare. Um, tell me a little bit about the formation of these councils. Now, Illinois will be, what, the 12th? Uh, right. Uh, so Illinois will be the, the 12th. Uh, Agriculture Advisory Council that we've formed at the state level. We also have a National Agriculture Advisory Council uh, made up of, of uh, prominent uh, national leaders in agriculture from around the country. Um, and, yeah, back in, in 2011, um, we, we decided that we really needed to uh, engage with uh, farmers and ranchers who embrace animal welfare who make animal welfare an important part of how they do business and, uh, and bring them into the conversation and also, you know, avail ourselves of their expertise in uh, establishing uh, the right policy to protect farm animals uh, and also to promote, uh, you know, to promote small independent family farmers. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about consolidation and, uh, and you know, it, it is probably, you know, if you look at, at the, uh, at, at, modern agriculture here in the United States, I mean, you know, it has been a story of consolidation for the past few decades, resulting in fewer and fewer farmers and more and more uh, of these CAFOs, which are, of course, concentrated mm -hmm. animal feeding operations. So you have fewer people farming, but you have more and more animals out there. That means that uh, because of consolidation, these, these great big uh, corporations, many of them foreign-owned, uh, are establishing these contract farms uh, and and you know tightly confining thousands upon thousands of animals on these on these uh, on these farms and um, ultimately of course it's bad it's bad for the animals it's bad for the environment uh, but it's also bad for the consumer because the consumer who wants uh, a wholesome and and healthy product 
that isn't raised in, in those factory farm conditions and that isn't receiving unnecessary non-therapeutic antibiotics and so forth, uh, you know, their, their choices are becoming, uh, you know, uh, dwindling. And so what we're trying to do is, is give a greater voice to these family farmers and ranchers and, uh, and, and really make sure that people understand that there are good farmers, there are good ranchers that are working very hard uh, to, to treat their animals well, but also to, to work for policy changes at the state and federal level uh, that will enhance animal welfare and enhance the ability of these smaller producers to compete. Uh, and let's bust a myth right now. We've got uh, about a minute here uh, before we go to the break. Let's bust a myth about uh, uh, the Humane Society and people like Jessica and her organization and people like Illinois Citizens for Clean Air and Water being some sort of uh, big city elites. Those are farmers. You mentioned it. You mentioned it just now that you've reached mm-hmm. out to farmers and ranchers, and farmers are a big part of this. One of the one of the problems with the various laws in factory farms in not just Illinois but in other states is that they run roughshod over the small farmer. They say, "Hey, this is going to be next door to you," and then guess what? There's nothing you can do about it. And so, a lot of these organizations they they come to you and they work with you, don't they? That's exactly right, Mike. Uh, and and. I mean, that's really, I think, the, the value and the benefit of, of these uh, producers working with the Humane Society of the United States. Uh, you know, working uh, on policy is what we do 24-7. I mean, it's, it's what the Humane Society of the United States was, was founded to do. We were founded to, to push broad social transformational changes, and one of the ways we do that uh, is by, um, you know, working okay. at, at the, at the hold, hold that thought. We'll be right back with Scott Beckstead and Jessica Chipkin after this. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. If you garden in or around Chicago and you don't have a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, I'm a little worried about you. That's because you're missing out on not only the garden magazine for our region, but one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, as well as articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, and What to Do in the Garden. Of course, there's my column on the inside back page of every issue, but into each life a little rain must fall. 
Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere, but go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. Your talk. This is your talk. Only on 1590. Your talk. WCGO Evanston, Chicago. You see, I bring this in. And it's kind of a reference to the eclipse, Jupiter, and drops of Jupiter, and drops of the moon, and, 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 and so Ariana will sing along. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malek. Try take two. Who are you again? Three, two, one. <laughs> Ellen. Ellen. <laughs> the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We've got uh, Scott Beckstead from uh, the Humane Society of the United States on the phone with us, and Jessica Chipkin, uh, and Ezra. From uh, Craytree, uh, Illinois. <laughs> hey, I had to give Ezra a plug there, Jessica. Thank you. Um, and Ezra's really being well-behaved today. He is. He's molting, so he's a little tired. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I am too, and I get really tired when I molt. Feathers everywhere in the oh, studio. Oh, my goodness. It's just sad. Uh, let's. I, I was sorry to interrupt you. We had to go to break there, Scott. Is there anything you wanted to say to wrap up your, your, your uh, comment about bringing people together into this organization? No, just just that that uh, you know that that we understand the value of uh, of working with these farmers and ranchers, and and I think that they also gain value from the relationship because we provide a means to amplify their voice and uh, you know give them the platform to uh, be even more effective as they advocate. Yeah, you know it's interesting. One of the arguments, and I hear this all the time. You see this all the time. You see this in print. You see it. You hear um, the the factory farm people say this. They say, "Hey, it's the country. Hey, it's it's an, uh, an animal mm-hmm. operation. This is what you you get these odors uh, in in these operations." And my retort to that is always, "Hey, if the farmers are complaining, the people who have grown up with these organ these you know uh, businesses there, and they're complaining, it really must be special." So don't use that argument against me. Obviously, you've crossed a line here when the farmers and ranchers start to complain about the noise and the smell and the pollution and all of that. Right. And in, in, fact, uh, in fact, you know, a year ago, the Chicago Tribune ran a series mm-hmm. on, uh, on the, the, the pig capos and the pork industry in Illinois. The name of this series was The Price of, of uh, Cheap Pork uh, Comes at a High Cost in Illinois. And it started with a, sto- a story about another farmer who uh, was literally, you know, they lost the value of their land and their quality of life was severely damaged by a near nearby uh, pig capo yeah. that created an enormous problem with air pollution. And, I mean, there were health problems in the family and, and it was just, it's terrible. And, and the problem, of course, is that it's happening more and more all mm-hmm. over the state of Illinois. And and that's really why I think uh, now is the time, uh, you know, for people who are concerned about the future of agriculture and the environment and animal welfare in Illinois to, to stand up and be heard. So, Scott, how many pig CAFOs do we have in Illinois right now? Do we know? 
Jessica probably knows better, and in fact, uh, I think uh, I think we may even be coming up with a map. Uh, Jessica, can you answer that question? Yeah, last time I I asked, it was over. The, um, it was counted by um, Illinois Citizens for Clean Air and Water, and I might be wrong on that, but I could let you know it was um, four hundred something. Here's the point, though. The EPA, the IEPA, Illinois yes. uh, Environmental Protection Agency, they, don't, count that many. they mm-hmm. don't know how many CAFOs are in the state. Of, uh, we've talked about this on the show. Karen Hudson from uh, Illinois Citizens for Clean Air and Water has been on the show and talked about their count, and they count, and I think you're right, it's in the neighborhood of like four, 450, 460. Whatever. And then they go to the IEPA and they go, oh, really? Oh, we had no idea. And the fact that we do not have a mechanism for even tracking these businesses, these farms, these these uh, confinement uh, facilities is uh, is wrong. It's just wrong. So you would think that would be sort of the basics. The basics is, yeah, here are the farms. Here's how many uh, head they have in in the farm. That should be sort of uh, square one, if you ask me, but... The IEPA well, doesn't even know. Well, you can't, and Mike, you can't I, regulate I, I, them, so there you go. But one thing, one thing that, that, that uh, the farmers and ranchers that we work with, uh, they really make a strong point about saying that these are not really farms. When mm-hmm. people talk about farms, they think about animals out on pasture. They think about the, you know, the farmer who goes out every morning and, you know, um, you know, pats the cows on the back and, and provides, you know, animals with a good life. These are not farms. These right. are industrial animal production facilities that are run very much like like factories uh you know and and you know just like factories they produce huge amounts of of pollution um so you know uh, sometimes when when we're all in a group and we talk about uh uh, factory farms you'll hear a bunch of them grumble they're not farms they're (laughs) yeah i think that's very smart yeah and and one of the big things i i know that um your petition jessica with the mash-offs the whole factory farm the gestation crate the fact that the animals, you know, they're just commodities. They're, how much can we get out of them? How fast? Right. And, and you know, when you think about the labels that, say, farmland or Hormel that they have on their products, they look like the kind of farms that the animals are out in the sunshine. So uh, when you think about it, it's really not very truthful. They're, they're labeling and they're marketing that way. So let's get to our event. The whole point yes. of you guys being here today is because I want folks to know that next Friday at noon, they need to be going to Nana on uh, the south side of uh, Chicago in the Bridgeport neighborhood. Uh, for and, and by the way, all the information is on my website, mm-hmm. MikeNovak.net. Go to this week's show. Uh, Nana is at 3267 South Halstead. Uh, it's, a free, it's free and open to the public, and you'll get to experience a really great restaurant there if you stick around for lunch. Uh, Omar Solis, uh, the owner, was on my show, I want to say, like four or five years ago. I don't remember exactly how long it was. Um, and uh, I've been down there, and it's a lovely place. Um, and two things are going to happen, three things actually are going to happen at this, uh, event. And the first of which is that you're going to show folks the change.org petition, uh, uh, results and that you've printed up and, and you've got a couple of boxes with, uh, with you and you're going to, uh, send those to the mash-offs, mm-hmm. aren't you, Jessica? Yes, after everyone looks at them, I have all the comments printed out, very small type. 
So I don't have that many boxes, but they are, it's still legible. Yeah, well, if you're going to have 163,000 signatures, yeah, that you better have small type. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Scott, and uh, is Mark Ayers from uh, Illinois Humane Society going to be there as well? Yes. Yes, okay. and, and, and just to be clear, uh, Mark Ayers is the uh, Illinois State Director for the Humane Society of the United States. So he works for the Humane Society of the United States. He's actually... Uh, sort of my counterpart. Uh, I've been the Oregon State Director for many years before coming into the Rural Affairs Department, and Mark uh, Mark is our Illinois State Director, and yes, he will be there. And, and uh, uh, for those who don't know, Mark has been an absolutely amazing and uh, incredibly effective uh, director in Illinois for the Humane Society of the United States, winning some extremely important legislative battles this past legislative session. So, oh, yeah. yes, we're, mm-hmm. we're glad that Mark's going to be there, and uh, and I know he will uh, he will be an important part of the conversation. He is uh, he is absolutely fearless. I love that guy, and uh, not only does he go, you know, he's he's doing double duty. He's at in Springfield. At the General Assembly, saying, "Hey, you got to pass these laws." Then he's out in the field and he's tracking down these guys that are having these uh, coyote kills. Coyote kills, uh, and he, right. and and he's risking his 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 own safety here. He's just amazing. So, yeah, I'm glad he's going to be there. But you're going to announce the formation of the Illinois Council uh, and uh, and uh, talk about what you're going to do going forward, right? Right. And, and uh, you know, it, it, it's an important opportunity, I think, for people to become aware not just of the work that we're doing, but also of the problem uh, that Jessica and others have been working on for many years now. And, um, you know, I, I spoke with, uh, with uh, an advocate who's been fighting CAFOs in Illinois for many, many years, and he said, you know, for the past three years, the state has set a new record in terms of the number of new and, and expanding uh, pig capos in wow. Illinois. And he said, you know, it, it, right now it feels like a runaway train. And I think that that's really what the event next Friday uh, uh, represents, is finally someone has is, is got their hand on the brake, uh, a brake and we're going to try and, and, and put the brakes on this train and start getting things turned around. Yeah, and part of it is is the livestock law that we have uh, in Illinois, and you and I were talking about that on the phone, uh, the Livestock Management Facilities Act, uh, sometimes known as LMFA or Leave My Factory Alone, uh, which is ca- what Karen Hudson always likes to call it. Uh, and it's a horrible law because it takes uh, any uh, participation by citizens and farmers out of their hands. They can over... Yeah, which which is really then that 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 is that is that is how the industry is pushing back uh, as public awareness grows and as public opposition to CAFOs grows, uh, the the industry is responding by having their politicians uh, in in the state legislatures pass laws uh, to make it even more difficult, if not impossible, for people uh, to speak out against CAFOs. Well, uh, and so yeah, it's it's a very disturbing trend, and and it's a trend that that we intend to do everything we can. I to don't. Reverse. I preemption laws across our country are a growing threat to democracy, pretty much. Yeah, and Absolutely. I don't know why we don't 
try to get the Supreme Court to rule. It just seems to me to be the most anti-democratic thing you can possibly do is tell people you can't pass a law. I don't know how that's constitutional, frankly. So, well, but, but Mike, also uh, look at look at the the ag gag laws, laws that criminalize the documenting and reporting of animal abuse on industrial animal uh, operations, where where is someone who tortures an animal on a factory farm. Uh, is in less trouble than the person who takes the video and 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 takes it to the press. Um, you know, the, again, just as you said, these are efforts to stifle conversation, to stifle dialogue, and to sort of uh, preempt the ability of people to gain information and have their voices heard. Well, I'm a, I want to ask a favor of both of you. I wasn't planning on this. I got 60 seconds before the break. I'd like to hold you over for one more segment, if that's okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, okay, because we've got our question from uh, a listener out there. I got. I want to make sure that folks know who's going to be there uh, next week, uh, besides me and uh, and Peggy. This is a too good a conversation, mm-hmm. and of course, the, uh, folks are welcome to call in at eight four seven four seven five fifteen ninety if you have a question or a comment uh, about what is a very important issue in the state of Illinois, not just Illinois, obviously, but across the country. Uh, we are talking to Jessica Chipkin from Crate Free, Illinois. And, and Jessica, we need to plug your app, too, at some point, don't we? Yes, yes, I was waiting for an opening, so thank you. When you when <laughs> we, we come back, that's when we come back, we'll plug the app because you can find out if you've got factory farm stuff. Scott Beckstead from Humane Society of the United States is also here. We'll be right back. Do you know that right now, late summer and early fall, is the best time to get your lawn in shape? And this time, why not make it beautiful and sustainable? Talk to Logic Lawn Care, an Evanston-based company that uses a holistic approach, meaning it's not just putting down harmful products, it's about process. Logic also works with schools, park districts, and municipalities across Chicagoland to manage large turf areas. Get a free estimate. Go to LogicLawnCare.com or call 847-421-6500. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Chicagoans are looking for ways to get healthier in 2017. Hi, I'm Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach this growing wellness market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 monthly readers. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. That's 847-858-3697. And check us out at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good, live simply, laugh more. This is your talk. You want to just put in hashtags in any of your social media. Hashtag 1590WCGO. Evanston, Chicago. 
Yeah, that's the uh, theme for this uh, show. We're going to make you notice. <laughs> uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And on the phone, uh, we've got a, an extra little segment here. Rick DeMaio will be on an hour from now with the forecast for the eclipse. Uh, as Scott said uh, during the break, what eclipse? Uh, Scott Beckstead from the Humane Society of the United States, who's in Oregon. He'll be schlepping to Chicago this week to be part of this uh, event on Friday. Jessica Chipkin, founder and president of Crate Free Illinois. I'm going to give you that plug right before we go into uh, the description of the event. Give me the plug for your app. Okay. Crate Free Illinois has a mobile app that uh, includes all the farms in Illinois that uh, pasture raise. Well, there might be more. We are constantly adding them. Um, the, the app will automatically know where you are, and it will tell you all your choices of where to get um, eggs, dairy, beef, pork, uh, a couple of other things in there. We're in the process of adding uh, restaurants. So mm-hmm. you can get the eggs for Android and Apple, and you can go to our website, www.cratefreeil.org, and there's a tab there that says Buy Local, and the links to download it are right there. So a great way to reach out to local farmers and support them and yeah. buy animals that are raised outside. And mm-hmm. Exactly. And you, you omnivores out there, get the app, okay, because then you will have some security. You'll know, you'll know that these uh, products were raised humanely. That's what the uh, app is all about. All right, but to the event next Friday, again, it's Friday, August 25th uh, at noon at Nana. 3267 South Halstead. Uh, Scott's going to be there. Jessica's going to be there. I'm going to be the moderator for the panel. Uh, we mentioned that the, the petitions, we'll unveil the petitions that uh, Jessica had. We'll have Scott talking uh, uh, about uh, the uh, the new council, the Illinois uh, Council, uh, Advi- Agriculture Advisory Council. And then we'll have a panel to discuss these things, and I will moderate it. Scott will be on it. Jessica Fuyan. From uh, Food and Water Watch, she's the Midwest Regional Director. She's been on this show a number of times. Uh, Cliff McConville uh, from Band of Farmers, and we, we talk a lot about mm-hmm. Band of Farmers on this show. Uh, Matthew Ulshuler uh, with Homes, an organization in Northwest Illinois uh, that has been working against uh, factory farms. And, of course, uh, the owner of the restaurant, Omar Solis. Uh, where, was it you, Jessica, talking to me about Matthew uh, and some of the work he's been doing? Yes. Yes, uh, Matthew's uh, organization was responsible for preventing the construction of a mega dairy farm in the far northwest part of the state. That oh, I remember that time. battle. Yeah, that was a that was a big battle. And yeah. you know, and they and they're ongoing all the time. We had a couple of people. Like I, I keep mentioning Karen Hudson because she's such a tireless worker uh, about this, and she goes to a lot of meetings all across the state and helps people fight factory farms. And it's weird because, and you probably know this, Scott, a lot of folks don't even know about the issue until one comes to their doorstep. Suddenly they get a notice and they say, hey, there's going to be 35,000 swine on your doorstep, uh, you know, in six months. And they go, what? And that gorgeous empty field over there won't be there anymore. That's right. And by the way, there's going to be trucks rolling in and out as well. And Mm -hmm. 
Uh, this is it's it's sad that this, this is how they find out about the issue, isn't it, Scott? Yeah, it, and I think it, it really underscores the importance of what we're trying to do and the importance of the conversation that we're having and that we're going to continue to have next Friday, uh, really making sure that, that uh, people in Illinois understand uh, what is happening to their state. Um, you know, there is, uh, you know, agriculture is, you know, almost the heartbeat of a state like Illinois. Um, and it's important for people to understand that there is a good, uh, the right way to, to, to raise animals and the wrong way. And right now, the wrong way uh, has controlled the conversation uh, and has kept the, the right information from getting out there to the people. And, and that's, that's what we're mm-hmm. trying to, to get a hold of. All right, let's go to that question we got from uh, our listener. Uh, who is yeah, because this? this is from Kathleen Parrish. Um, and this, this kind of ties in with having the event in the city and helping people more to realize what's on their plate and what's happening in their state. And so she's asking about companies that advertise, quote, humanely raised, um, that the animal was humanely raised. And she wants to know, does that include how they are killed as well, how they are, pick your term, um, or does that label mean more that they might not be in gestation crates? I think the answer is really how they were raised. Um, every, every animal that is slaughtered in the United States uh, has to be slaughtered according to the Federal Humane Slaughter Act. Uh, so the, the, the humanely raised typically is referring to the conditions that, uh, uh, that the animals are raised in. And, of course, you know, um, what, what people should really look for is pasture-raised. Uh, when you see a product that is pasture-raised, that typically means that the animal was uh, was was outside uh, feeling the sun on their back mm-hmm. and grass under their feet and, you know, able to engage in natural behaviors. Uh, the antithesis of that, of course, is the factory farm model, uh, for example, where you have, you know, thousands of, of mother pigs uh, so tightly confined that they can't even, you know, move. They're basically mm-hmm. immobilized for their entire life. And people really need to be careful about cage-free when they buy eggs. Cage-free does not mean that they're outside. It means that they're not in, confined in small cages, but they're inside and they're crowded in very crowded conditions. Well, what, that's one of the things you find out when you study the issue is there's a wide range of conditions under which animals are kept. Uh, and, and I've seen operations where the cages are much larger than standard cages, but they're still cages. Uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's good. It's, I think it's always a good thing when you're moving in the right direction where the conditions are sanitary and, and more humane. Uh, obviously, um, we, there's a lot of chickens that are raised in the world. Uh, I saw something recently that, uh, in future generations, when scientists are studying our era, the anthropogenic era, we're going to discover that chicken bones suddenly increased uh, about 40 years ago. And the number of chickens that were out there is because we consume so much chicken. Uh, so this is something that we need to be aware of when we purchase it. Well, and it's also important to, to you know, to, to make sure you know, uh, you know, all of these pigs that are being raised in Illinois by the, by the hundreds and hundreds of thousands every year, where, you know, where is that pork? Uh, who is consuming that pork? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I mean, we are now uh, shipping uh, huge quantities of pork to China. So 
uh, a lot of these animals are not being raised for consumption by Americans. They're being raised for foreign markets. Right, and that goes back to what I was also saying earlier about opening up South America. Yeah, so uh, it, it's that's it's, a whole other it's, conversation. It's a burgeoning industry, and <laughs> yeah. I and I want to thank both of you. I'm looking forward to the event. I hope folks will join us. They will come by. It looks like we're going to have um, a good turnout, uh, and and we're hoping that uh, some news organizations are there in addition to my own. Uh, will will be there uh, again. Uh, it is at Nana Restaurant next Friday, the twenty fifth. Um, 3267 South Halstead uh, at noon, as I mentioned, and a panel will be there, and Scott and Jessica, and I appreciate you guys being on the show yeah. so much and, this morning. And we'll Thank be Facebook-living so it, too, right? Oh, right. We'll be doing a little Facebook mm-hmm. Live action there, too, so uh, you can tune into that if you want. So uh, you and Ezra, have a great day, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, uh, and Scott, <laughs> don't get trapped by all the traffic going to see the eclipse, all right? You need to get to Chicago. What what eclipse? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what? Bye. Thank you so much. All right, you guys, uh, you have a great weekend. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. In the second hour, we go to, well, we go to the science desk because Michelle Hoffman. Who's is, in the building. She is in the building right over there. I can see her. And Mark Schick from the Shed Aquarium and. Alan! 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 They will be here. <laughs> Stick around for that. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe, author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847-475-1590. Here they are again. Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Whenever my head starts to hurt, before it goes from bad to feeling worse, I turn off my phone, I get down low, and put my hands in the dirt. I try to stop the world from moving so fast. Alan! Try to get a Alan! Alan! Where I'm at. Alan! 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 This dizzy Alan! Life. Alan! And put my feet in the grass. Alan! 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 I'm going Okay. See, uh, you can take that music out, but we'll leave Alan up here. You'd never seen this before, have you, Michelle? Can you click us live, too? Uh, oh. We're done with Alan. Okay, wait a second. Let's, uh, wait, the first thing folks are, wait, oops, I have to switch computers. This is like, uh, 
This is like <laughs> your home. This parts. is like your home setup. Okay, here. All right, and coming live three, in three, two, two one. one. We are live Alan, on Facebook. Alan, Alan, Alan. That's what I want people to start with. Alan, <laughs> okay. Alan, Alan. Oh, all right. Uh, okay. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show, second big hour uh, on a beautiful Sunday. And uh, we have a couple of beautiful people here in the studio with their, one of them has his official uh, shed. Accord. Where do I scam step, step one of those? The camera here, so oh, there you are. There you yeah. Look at the official. Uh, yeah, how do we scam a couple shirts here? Yeah, I don't know. Right. We'll, have to, we'll talk about that. Okay. <laughs> it depends how the interview goes. We'll that, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, okay. <laughs> see if we can help you out. That is uh, Mark Schick, who is the uh, collections manager at the John G. Shed Aquarium. Um, and uh, he's here to talk about coral. We're going to get to that. But uh, as you can see, at the science desk, uh, that's our favorite uh, scientist. Looking very tanned. <laughs> Mich- really, Michelle Hoffman, who's just re- returned from the wilds of Florida. They were wild. Yeah, and you were doing your deep, uh, your co- uh, black water plankton diving. That we were. That we were. Holy smoke. It was awesome. I know. <laughs> more! <laughs> bring me more! <laughs> what did you collect? Well, hey, did you, you didn't bring anything in the studio that you collected. Well, you know, we had to release them. We don't want PETA getting upset, so we had to treat them <laughs> the fairly. Plankton. We yeah. had to free the how, plankton. How do you even know if you've released them correctly? <laughs> Well, you know, there's a science to it, just like everything. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. yeah. It's, uh, she's now she's just making it up. Right? She, goes <laughs> along. she doesn't even have her microscope here today. I so. well, I'm still unpacking. We had so much gear with us; it was insane. You but, sent uh, us some photos, and a couple of them are on um, our uh, our Facebook, or not our Facebook, on on the website. Oh. Okay, well, we won't worry about that. And there's there will be more of that to come, by the way, because we had a cinematographer, Emmy Award-winning creation mm-hmm. I mean, Vivens with just us, looking who was at shooting this stuff. is unbelievable. Look at so what that. is that? Yeah, what's <laughs> that? If, if you want to go, go to MikeNovak.net. It's right on the homepage, and it's a big blue thing. What is that? I'm still working on identifying looks a lot like, of this stuff. It looks like someone's tonsils. It, it kind of does. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, Mark, do you know for sure what that is? I'm waiting for a definitive answer I on do this. not, no. Because I think it might be a gastropod, but I'm not 100% sure, so I'm waiting for some How answers. big is that? You can't tell. There's no uh, perspective on that's this That's about the size of a half-dollar coin. Really? That's yeah. pretty big, actually. Which is pretty big. A right. lot of the stuff we shot you know, out in the ocean, but then we would, like you said, mm-hmm. we'd collect, we'd bring stuff back, we'd put it under the yeah. microscope, and spend hours until 3, 4 in the morning with this mm-hmm. stuff, and, and didn't <laughs> want to stop, actually, because everything we pulled out of there was something different. We had... Um, larval crabs, lobster, fish, um, all kinds of miniature jellies. We had stuff that stays plankton for its whole life. Uh, so we we got a real array yeah. of incredible things. And by the way, uh, folks should know, if they don't know who Michelle Hoffman is, she is our science desk person. She is, uh, but she's also um, professor of marine science and sustainability at Columbia College. She's at Roosevelt University School of the Art Institute. She is also the producer and creator of uh, a film called Microcosm, still scheduled for a 2018 mm-hmm. release. She's been working on that for most of her natural adult life. <laughs> That's true. Uh, it sure feels like it, doesn't Good it? Good things take time. Uh, but there will be big things coming up. I can't tell you about them, mainly because I don't know what they are. Uh, I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. Um, well, but what, what happened? After the eclipse. <laughs> 
That's right. I'm going to see the eclipse, so don't bu- don't bug me now and don't get in my way. I- I'll run you over, okay? When I'm on my way out the door at 11 a.m., and I am headed to a little place called Grayville, Illinois, which is on the Wabash, um, and it's most of the way down to the, the totality. And then tomorrow, uh, if I have to get up and crawl the 30 miles to get to the, the, the totality area, I will. I'm just going to get, if I have to drive through a cornfield, I will do wow. that. All right. Yeah, Commitment. I, I, well, you know, I've been waiting for this my entire life. Uh, I grew up thinking I was going to be an astronomer. Uh, and I and I had a telescope, and I and I can still point out constellations to you in the sky. And I, I, my favorite is always people who think they know what the the Big and Little Dipper look like, and they really have no clue. Um, <laughs> and then you point them out to them, and they go, "No, no, that's not it. No, that is actually that is it." You know, but um, and then I did, got to college and realized it was all about math, and that dream was over. I know. <laughs> it's a dirty four-letter four word. I sat yeah, through my always... astronomy one hundred and one. I'm like, math? <laughs> what? So I have been waiting for this forever. So this is uh, nothing's going to stop me. But I am a little concerned. We'll talk about the weather with Rick DeMaio. He's here at the end of the hour. Uh, We'll talk about traffic, too, because that is the other thing that really kind of concerns me. And, of course, coral. And And coral. coral. There we go. But before we do that, we're going to talk coral with uh, Mark Schick and Michelle Hoffman. So uh, just, you know, sit back. You probably don't know a lot about coral. Maybe you do. But... uh, Relax. Enjoy the show. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Yeah, tune in Facebook Live. We're right there now. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Now is the time to get your lawn in shape. That's right. Late summer, early fall is the time to make your lawn beautiful and sustainable. Talk to Logic Lawn Care, a local company that uses a holistic approach to make your lawn safe for your kids, your pets, and you. Logic also works with schools, park districts, and municipalities across Chicagoland to manage large turf areas. Get a free estimate. Go to LogicLawnCare.com or call 847-421-6500. Hi, this is Lisa Albrecht from the Illinois Solar Energy Association, and once again, we are raffling off a Tesla to one lucky winner. This year, it's the 2017 Tesla Model X. That's the sports utility vehicle. The proceeds go to ISEA for our work in advancing clean energy development in Illinois. Each ticket is $100, but you can get four for $300. Only 2,500 tickets will be sold, and you can buy as many as you'd like. The drawing is December 7th, and you don't need to be present to win. Go to IllinoisSolar.org for details. 
This is your talk. And this place is really something else, huh? Only on 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. he how do they know it's not a she come on back then luke halpin tommy norden uh those were the days you can do that sound can't you peggy probably (laughs) wow okay everybody who can do a dolphin (laughs) just just do it right now let's get it out of our systems here That, of course, is our at the science desk. That's Michelle. Doing her dolphin So they don't, they don't let you dive unless you can do that? Uh, no, it's not really one of the requirements. But, you know, it's just it's an added bonus. It's a, probably a patty specialty. Wouldn't you agree, Mark? But probably it's, so. But it's really entertaining at 4 a.m. When you're, when you're looking at <laughs> stuff on the boat. And, a yeah. and, and you brought your son along this time. I did. He got certified on this trip. Excellent. So he's, uh, he's officially I, I'm, indoctrinated. I'm certified, but that's something different. Certifiable. Oh, there's a, oh he, okay. Yeah. There's a difference. <laughs> Different uh, vacation sites. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but you mentioned something during the break that is, I didn't know about. You talked about plankton and their reaction to a solar eclipse. Yeah, let's bring Mark Schick into the conversation. <laughs> He's yes. our resident expert. Let's Come bring him in. in. Tell us about Come on it. Down. So yeah, there's uh, this layer in the ocean that, that on sonar it looks like it's the bottom, but they call it the false bottom, and that's actually where a plankton will migrate down to and spend their time when they're not near the surface. And it was always thought that plankton either came to the surface because it was nighttime, it was safer, or there was some kind of circadian rhythm that told them. And you can't test it because there's, you pull, pull them out of the ocean and put them in something, they're not going to migrate properly. Mm-hmm. But when an eclipse happened back in 63, they were actually able to look at this and say, oh, that's, they're coming up to the top. They think it's nighttime. Oh, my goodness. And then the eclipse goes away and they go right back to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Now, uh, is there going? Is the eclipse going out into the Atlantic enough to do that again this time? I'm not sure what the what the path of it is once it hits it, it, across it, the U.S. Yeah, it goes through South Carolina, and it's got to hit the ocean somewhere. And I yeah. think it hits the ocean at that point. So I'm betting there's some people on boats that are going to be waiting for that. Actually, my to... cinematographer Fraser Nivens will be diving during that. Really? Yeah. On purpose to yeah. to do it during the eclipse. Oh yeah. Looking for what? Looking to see who what? comes up to the show. Oh, that's and that's interesting. We want to know who's casting a show. wide net, so to speak. Yes, it's a casting call. Yeah. Is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, that's interesting because science usually you think that you're after a specific thing, but but you can go down there and just see what comes up, right? Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit. By the way, that is Michelle Hoffman, uh, who is our, our our science editor here, and Mark Schick. Uh, from the Shedd Aquarium is also in the studio. Coral. I was looking at some of that stuff uh, that you sent me. Um, and you should go to my website, MikeNovak.net, and there's some links. There's some cool videos about mm-hmm. coral. Everybody right now is concerned about the health of coral in the world. And you've heard reports of coral bleaching and that sort of thing. Before we get to that, can we? Can you? is it possible in 25 words or less or, or even more, to explain what coral is. I think there are a lot of misconceptions about exactly <laughs> what coral is. Coral is an animal. It has a 
very thin membrane over a calcium carbonate base that it puts down. So it leaves a rock behind when it dies. Um, live coral is very thin, almost like a layer of skin over that rock, mm-hmm. and it continues to grow throughout its life, laying down calcium carbonate. So, so when you see a huge mass of coral, where's the not-so-hard part of the coral in there? Just, just the very surface of it. it. Think of it as a thin veneer over a cabinet, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the little live tissue right there, and usually you'll see a little mouth, and that's an individual coral animal. They live in mm-hmm. colonies. Some polyps, which is a little mouth, are the size of a dinner plate, and some are the size of a pinhead. Wow. And there's lots of different species, over 400 different species of hard corals. And one of the things that uh, we learned about is you working with an organization called Seacor, uh, and they're about restoring coral populations, right? Right. So Seacor uh, stands for sexual coral reproduction. Um, corals have a very... Wait, wait. You said sex. I did. Sexual reproduction. Sexual coral reproduction. Now we're going to get some people tuning in here. That's right. <laughs> here we Bring go. It. So Ariana's tweeting that right now. <laughs> coral, corals have a crazy sex life. You have males. You have females. You have hermaphrodites. You have some that switch over time once they get older. Um, and you have asexual reproduction also, where a piece literally breaks off and the tie can reattach to the bottom and regrow. Think of it if you take, take your finger... Broke finger off, stuck it to the ground. Mm-hmm. Another you would grow out of that. Completely wow. identical to you. Is it, is, is it opportunistic? Is that what what uh, dictates how you know what sex there, is there? No, um, actually, there it's a set biological pattern. Oh, uh, really? We don't okay. know it for a lot of corals. We don't even know reproduction times for most corals. There's very few we understand. Uh, the project we work on in the Caribbean is uh, started in 2006 with one species, uh, and it spawns on the four to six nights after the full moon in August. Actually, mm-hmm. you have some of our staff down there right now just finishing up the, mm-hmm. the August spawn for palmata, elkhorn coral. Um, and since in, that, in that time, since then, we've learned how to do reproduction with about seven or eight other species also. And this is not published before. Mm. And, and I was looking at the video um, that, uh, again, you can see at MikeNovak.net uh, about how Secor uh, takes the... The sp- sperm and egg. Sperm and egg. Okay, good. Cause, cause, That's it? Yeah, you go down there and you harvest it. And Correct. They, it sort of billows up. It's kind of like an underwater snowstorm that's rising up instead of dropping. So wow. when the, the coral, the elkhorn, spawns, it releases uh, an egg sperm bundle, which basically is about 14 to 20 eggs and a packet of sperm in the middle of that. And it's mm-hmm. all a lot of fat in, that, in, the, in the eggs. So when they, when they get released, it floats to the surface. The wave agitation breaks it apart. The sperm and egg separate. And then that sperm and egg combined with other sperm and egg from other corals. Mm-hmm. Cool thing, it can't self-fertilize. So why, why waste the time to produce sperm and egg if you're going to self-fertilize? So you uh-huh. have sperm and egg that are some kind of weird lock and key mechanism. They don't let themselves self-fertilize. So once those sperm and egg are at the surface, they find uh, gametes from other corals that are in the area. They have to go to the surface? It has to float, yeah. Because oh all those eggs, if you think about it, it's perfect. Because if you just throw something in the water and it sinks, it's hard to find something out there. Yeah. Versus if you get stranded at the surface, you can't sink and you can't get out of the water, that's where everything's going to be. Mm-hmm. But, it's a but special if, kind of party. Yeah. <laughs> but if it goes <laughs> once a year. If it, it, oh, and, that, and that's how often it is. For, this, for that yeah. species. Ooh, ooh, After ooh, the ooh. full moon in August. Exactly. Yeah. I heard this story um, on uh, a, a different station. Okay, so that's all I'll say. <laughs> on station. Uh, yeah, okay. It was NPR. All right. Okay. And they were talking about coral. And you say once a year, and it leaves uh, leaves something behind that indicates how old the coral is. Because once a year, it does its thing and adds a layer or whatever. But you can slice a coral, and you can judge 
the age of the coral from that, right? Not exactly. It doesn't have to do with uh, sexual reproduction because some species will reproduce once a month. One will some. Well, what is it? The, the coral. There's something about coral that that uh, uh, is attuned to the year. It's similar like trees. You know how it's the cold and the warm cycles, mm-hmm. and they deposit calcium faster or slower, so you can see the bands of deposition more clearly at certain times of the year because okay. it's warmer or cooler. Because what they were talking about was the idea that uh, you can, if you cut a coral and and you're looking for this particular thing, you'll find 365 representing the days of the year. But they found fossils of coral where there were 416. There were over 400. Hmm. And, and the scientists did a study of this, and, and it, what they realized was there were more days in the year at that time. And that had to do with the moon and the gravity of the moon slowing down the Earth. So now um, uh, we have fewer days because the earth has slowed due to this gravitational force and it's reflected in the coral. This sounds like one of your astronomy classes. <laughs> no, a it's lot true. of things are reflected yeah. in Fossil coral. Records, coral yeah. reforensics, very similar to, yeah. to what Mark is doing. Mark is, is focusing on a different aspect of coral science, but coral reforensics is a whole other burgeoning science mm-hmm. where we can look at perhaps mineral content of ocean water because right. of what corals like to incorporate into their skeletons as they build. Um, so again, you know, looking at how do we judge climate change or how do we judge changing ocean conditions, uh, corals, like you say, are, are much like trees and they induct a lot of information about the ocean into them. Mm-hmm. you got to remember, corals have been around for hundreds of millions of years. Right. Easily. And, and they're a very simple animal. They're pretty, fairly, fairly few changes in them over time. Basically, they're a stomach that reproduces and eats, and they sit in one spot. <laughs> That's it. Things to aspire you know, to. I've, yeah. I've met a few. <laughs> uh, this is this is a tweet that's going out now. A stomach that reproduces and eats. Got that, Ariana? Uh, uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, but here we are in the 21st century, and our coral population is in trouble, oh, uh, yeah. uh, planet wide. And why is that? And, and, I, and I think I know this, but you explained because you're the scientist in the room. So <laughs> there's no one single thing that's really messing up corals. It depends where you are in the world. Um, there's overfishing. There's destructive fishing techniques. There's Okay, stop right there. How does overfishing affect coral? Uh, well, coral is the home for everything around it. Pretty much it mm-hmm. makes this structure. Let me back up for a second. Corals is, is a, a constant war zone. Corals are constantly fighting each other for space. The one thing you want is sunlight. That's what makes you grow. So you're trying to go up all the time. All the corals around you are doing the same thing. There's a limited amount of space. Mm-hmm. You can only get so tall before you topple over. So those corals are fighting and fighting. And that makes a very chaotic structure, which gives you lots of holes, lots of spaces, lots of voids that animals can go in and hide in. So all these animals live in, live in the coral and use it for their home. Therefore, they use it to reproduce. They use it to find their food sources. And you start pulling those animals away. Some of those food sources are things that hurt corals. So if you have fish that are picking off algae mm-hmm. that overgrow the corals, corals grow much slower than algae. If you have certain worm species that will eat Algae corals. is the enemy to a lot of things <laughs> out there. It really is. Yeah. Um, I mean, algae can grow an inch a day, some species, versus wow. corals, some corals grow maybe an inch a year. Um, oh, so my you can goodness. see it's easily okay. get overgrown yeah, by it. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. then if you get too many nutrients in the water, that encourages more algae to grow. If you have uh, poor construction techniques along coastline, we have lots of sediment runoff. The corals get buried under sand and dirt and things like that. If you have uh, destructive fishing techniques, some people use um, blasting caps to shock the fish. And that'll, they die and they rise to the top. Well, now you've blown away a section of reef that took thousands of years to grow. There's lots of, lots of problems depending on where you are. You know, just even hearing that and knowing that that, that sort of thing happens just makes me shudder. Now, and it's not from the explosion. 
It's just um, we we don't fight fair as a species, do we? No, 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 not at all. It's all about the money. Uh, it's like the, the this is a stick of dynamite or Bla- a blasting. Yeah. yeah. Small Ariana wanted to know what a blasting cap is. I can remember. This is weird. You just jogged a memory from my youth, <laughs> uh, my misspent youth in Michigan, watching uh, PSAs, public service announcements on television. This is a blasting cap. Don't touch it. You see a blasting cap. Don't touch it. And I'm like, a blasting cap? My goodness. I, you know, it's like a stick of dynamite yeah. um, and uh, whatever. But I, I, that just came. I had, wow. hadn't thought about that in probably 40 years. Um, yeah, anytime, Ariana. <laughs> I, you know, I appreciate that. So uh, so here we have different talk. Uh, and I interrupted you. What are some of the other reasons why coral's declining? Mm-hmm. Uh, those are, I mean, there, it's really based on what's happening locally around that, those coral reefs. Um, most times people go to the beach, they don't look below the water. They look at the beautiful mm-hmm. white sandy beach, beautiful blue water. Everything's healthy. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Um, and in fact, we just had, I just got a picture from a friend of mine who was diving in uh, U.S. Virgin Islands this past week. And he showed this is one of the top ten beaches in the world. Beautiful. Goes underwater. All the corals are dead. It's, there's nothing. It's just all skeletons. And, and why? Uh, well, in that's, that there's been, in the Caribbean, there was a, a mass die-off of the uh, sea urchin. Mm-hmm. Diadema sea urchin back in the early 80s. That was as a grazer. They eat lots and lots of algae. 97 or 98% of those uh, urchins die within about a two-year period. And why? No one's quite sure. They think it was a virus that somehow mm-hmm. got interjected from the Pacific into the Caribbean. Nice. Ballast water or yeah. through a canal, something like that. No one's sure. But those, those have not made a big comeback yet. And then, so think of it like... Um, Don't hold your breath waiting for that either. Okay? <laughs> no. Uh, no, no. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, but I, it's, you you look at these very species, and we're we're witnessing the great die-off in the sixth mass extinction, and I and in I truly slow motion in yes. slow mo, yeah, but but it's speeding up, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah continue. So yeah, the, when those those urchins died off, then algae could come and take over. There were diseases that came in and uh, it just wiped a lot of the corals mm-hmm. out. One of the species we work with, palmata, which was one of the most common corals in the Caribbean, is now about 95 percent gone. Also in that time, mm. oh and this goodness. one is really important because it, it fills a niche that no other corals do. It sits along really shallow water. It likes high wave action, and it's very strong. So it acts as a beach protector, uh, a city protector, storm surge protector, and now it's going away. So you had this free resource that would re- rebuild itself in the shallow water to protect coastlines of low-lying areas, and now it's going away, and you have to spend millions millions of dollars to put hunks of rock out there and maintain to do the same f- feature that this thing gave you for free. Mm. And and as you said, most people are completely unaware of Absolutely. that. They know about coral. If they are going on a dive to see coral, that's the purpose of their trip. Uh, or if they read about it in National Geographic magazine, that kind of thing. Well, the other sad thing is if you look corals now, I know I've gotten old enough now that I can go out I, to sites I used to dive at 20 years ago, and mm-hmm. it looks much worse. And I'll see younger folks going out for the first dive. Oh, it was beautiful. It was great. And it's that... Yeah, changing base should have seen it 20 years ago. Uh, well, and, then, yeah. and people, when I was diving in, were like, you should have seen it 20 years ago. Yeah. So oh it's, that, it's that changing baseline, which you think is beautiful today, yeah. was awful last year or uh, 20 years ago. Isn't the acidity uh, of, of our um, oceans a problem, too? That's going to be a long-term problem. There's lots of other short-term yeah. problems that need to be addressed. And yeah. Plastics, I would imagine, yeah, as well. Huge problems, yeah. There's, uh, I go on very few dives where I don't see tra- plastic trash anymore. So yeah. we've got... We've got Acid soil or, or water and plastics and warmth, 
uh, the, the oceans are warming up too, and that's that's an issue too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's uh, a more immediate one, yeah. And 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 loss of species and ballast water, which we've talked about with the Great Lakes too, yeah, which brings in species and brings in uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, brings yeah. in all the small stuff that Michelle likes. <laughs> it does, but I want to interject that because Mark is in his group are looking at coral reproduction. I'm an optimist. I like what they're doing, and I think uh, you know. I know, I know you're not necessarily an optimist. You don't always I'm share not. my That's point of view there, yeah, but, okay. <laughs> um, but you know, the, the work is really important, and mm-hmm. we need places like Shed and University of Miami yeah. and you know Moat Marine Lab because they are on top of this stuff and they can buy us some time. It's not a fix. Yeah, it's a band aid, but it's a band aid. It well, it's I an wanna, important band aid. I actually want to talk about uh, some of that and and how you are repairing. You talked about harvesting, but let's talk about some of the ways that uh, you're repopulating. Uh, the coral, various coral species. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're talking oceans in this part of the program, 847-475-1590. If you got a question, we hope you will give us a call. Did you know that a running toilet can waste up to 200 gallons of water per day? In the Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Water is a precious and vital resource, and 750 million people on this planet don't have access to safe, clean water. So let's not waste what we have, okay? According to the EPA, we lose over 1 trillion gallons of water a year to household leaks. So let's fix those leaky faucets, folks. While you're at it, consider installing a low-flow showerhead and a low-flow toilet. And maybe sing a shorter song when you're in the shower, because Americans also use 1.2 trillion gallons of water just showering every year. Just saying. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. Are you ready to make a positive change in the world around you? One that is easy and creates beauty? Make the switch to native plants, natural communities native plants. Enjoy the elegance of nature, the birds, the pollinators, and yes, even monarch butterflies without the excessive maintenance and without pesticides. Natives create food for our pollinators and birds, offset climate change, cleanse water, reduce floodwaters, and they look great. Natural Communities has more than 200 species of affordable woodland, wetland, and prairie plants, as well as shrubs, trees, and seeds native to the Midwest. And now is the time to get those plants established in your yard for a head start next year. Go to naturalcommunities.net. And if you use the magic word NOVAK, N-O-W-A-K, at checkout, you'll get 10% off your purchase until October 1st. Don't just get back to nature. Create it in your own backyard. Go to naturalcommunities.net. This is your talk. We're going to be here for a long time. Only on 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Okay. We want you, but I want you to sing the Gulfstream song that you were talk, <laughs> just talking about off air. Swimming in the Gulfstream, blah, blah, blah. I, I have no, it, you know, if had I known about it, I would have uh, had it ready to we go. We just and, thought of it. Like you said, Dr. Demento. We'll have it here. And, and we apologize, by the way, for the Facebook, which is blue today. We have, it's underwater. We have no idea why it's blue. I mean, <laughs> I'm a true blue hair today. Look at this. Oh, my goodness. So are you. 
Mark. Getting there, yeah. Yeah, both of us are kind of kind of blue hairs here. Uh, and that is Mark Schick from the uh, Shedd Aquarium. He's the collections manager. Michelle Hoffman is here, professor of marine science and sustainability at like 7,000 different universities. And uh, she just, just goes from one, one class to I another. Drift. You drift. Where the, like Clinton. Where it takes me. <laughs> You know, and all the good stuff is happening off air because we, we come back and she goes, oh, I was watching the, this plankton do this and watch it. The shrimp were coming up to me and they were. What 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 did we miss if the, the folks who were not on Facebook Live? Oh, some of the some of the things we weren't necessarily there to look at that were really cool that that came and accompanied us while we were drifting out in the Gulf Stream were squid on one dive. We had this silky shark that was just hanging out with us mm-hmm. and it just didn't really care about our video lights. And it was just kind of chilling. Really? Like, what are you guys looking at? And it just came, it stayed with us for Probably half an hour. Silky shark. I want. I want a silky shark. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that was my nickname in high school. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was. It's random. Why don't we doubt that? <laughs> Interesting. I, 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 <laughs> Mark uh, has to leave now. Uh, uh, the, <laughs> and Michelle won't let him. Nope. Uh, nope. Nope. You're not. And. Uh, and Neither and Kelsey's it. just like Kelsey I don't won't let this. him go either. She's she actually blocked the door. I don't know if you saw that. She she blocked the door out there. Um, we were talking about the coral populations and, and and what is bleaching? When people say the coral was bleached, what do they mean by that? So first off, a bleached coral is not a dead coral. Oh, it's, it's not. See, no. I thought it was. It's it's think of it. You're in bed with a bad case of pneumonia. Is what a bleached coral is basically. Um, so bleaching occurs when so coral on its deathbed, basically, it can recover yeah. um, given the right conditions. Usually, bleaching occurs when some major stress event happens, and the coral expels its plant, its um, algae cells. The zooxanthella that lives in it. Basically, it has an algae that lives inside its body that produces. So that's the most good algae. That's the good algae. Yeah. Okay. So it has a symbiont the algae that lives inside its body, and this algae gets a safe place to live where nothing else can eat it. And produces far more food than it needs. So it just mm-hmm. throws it out. And it happens to be right there next to the stomach of the coral. So it can just take in all this free food. Uh-huh. And then when it bleaches, it throws out all this. It throws up, basically. Basically, yeah. It yes. throws out all its its food production system. Mm. And Holy it turns smoke. stark white because the, the algae give them their color of the greens. And, and a lot of places brown. in the world, the coral is doing that because it's not well. It's, it's, it's sick. Yeah. Um, and in some places, we have lost the coral. It has died. But it, Absolutely. So how much... All right. How how does this change from year to year? Because a couple of years ago, there was this huge alert. Oh, my God, we're having a bleaching episode. And now is it the same this year? Has it changed? Uh, You know, because I look at the ocean and I'm thinking there's not any less plastic in it. I doubt that it's getting cooler than it was two years ago. How is it just not a going from bad to worse with each year? It's Think of it like it's cycles. Um, you know, when a storm comes through and churns everything up, it draws water up the deep. It gets clouds. It can cool things off. Mm-hmm. Or if it's a very quiet, still, sunny, hot time, just getting sun pounding down without currents blowing it around. Mm-hmm. Um, storms cool things off. Storms can tear up corals. Yeah. Uh, it's an incredible amount of variables to put into this. So, El Nino events. Yes. Yeah. And how does an, an increase in Atlantic hurricanes affect well, corals it, in general? Two different ways. Um, hurricanes can actually help in cooling waters, mm-hmm. uh, and it can also destroy a lot of corals because it's pounding. You know, it's a yeah. big storm. Yeah. It, it breaks things. You see trees after storms around here get torn up. But Hur- overall, as we get more and more hurricanes, is it's it... going to tear up more and more things in shallow waters. Yes. Yikes. So I need to ask you, you're at the Shedd Aquarium, uh, not a lot of coral in Lake Michigan. <laughs> um, how is it... Uh, 
how does the the shed obviously you know it's it's a worldwide organization it's it's uh, it, it has scientists all over the place but with the focus in chicago I'm not even sure how to phrase the question. You know, how, why are you doing, and how much uh, coral research are you doing at the shed? The nice thing with the reproduction work is we can do, have very small samples of some species and work with mm-hmm. that and learn how to, how to get those corals. When they spawn. At, at the shed. Yeah, there are species we work with at the shed that are spawned there. So they all have something similar. When they do spawn sexually, an egg gets fertilized, it swims around, it becomes a larvae, it swims around in the plankton for X number of days. Usually mm-hmm. fairly short, that varies by species. A couple days. Um, so what we can do at Shed is figure out what's the best cue or how to understand what, what are the best cues to tell that coral this is a safe place to sit down and settle and live the rest of your life. Because mm-hmm. you have to remember, coral is an animal mm-hmm. that never moves once it settles. Part of being an animal is you have to move sometime in your life. Corals, once they settle, they go down and pick that site to live at. They're going to live there for hundreds or thousands of years. You better pick a good site. Yeah. Are there corals that are thousands of years old? If you look at the cores of some of the species that are out there, yes, absolutely. There's one wow. off the coast of Hawaii that they think is over 4,000 years old. Yeah. It's a black coral head. Yeah, some of these they grow, you know, some of these grow maybe an inch a year. Some of them grow faster than that. But you'll see corals the size of this room. So if that's growing an inch a year, and they call the Joshua tree and they go, "How's it going with you?" <laughs> oh yeah, Boy. times they are changing. Oh man, <laughs> hot up there too. How's the plastic yeah. up there? I feel really old. Uh, so, uh, well, but it, it, it's good to see that. Now, one of the things that um, we saw on uh, the video is this uh, photo of a coral nursery. Mm-hmm. Which now did you take that, Michelle? I did. That one happens to be at Mount Marine Lab. Uh, that's Dr. David Vaughn's lab uh, down in the Keys. Uh, but Mark's got very similar work going on at Shed Aquarium. So, do your coral nurseries look like that at the shed? Similar, yeah, yeah. We'll a lot of times actually use uh, different different bases, but mm-hmm. yeah, very similar. Uh, and basically, uh, you can see that it, it looks like a, a a growing tray if you were going to do yeah. seedlings, yep. but instead you're doing coral. Yeah, it's pretty much what it is. So what, what David's doing in uh, Moat is he'll take those and he'll outplant them. So what he'll do to make them grow faster, he's found that if you take a piece uh, of coral and micro-fragment it, basically think of it taking a piece about the size of your thumbnail and cutting it into four or five pieces and glue that down to a hard substrate, you, probably a ceramic disc or something like that. And if you, if you glue, um, glue them down close enough, they'll grow together mm-hmm. very quickly versus if you have one piece, it grows kind of slowly. So when you damage a coral, it tends to grow mm-hmm. back quickly. If its conditions are right. Just like you separate your plants in the garden. But that was new science. I mean, that yeah. was a new, exciting find of his that sort of ran counter to what people were thinking mm-hmm. prior what, to you that. found this? No, no, this is Dr. David Vaughn. Oh, okay. The guy I interviewed in Florida for yeah. microcosm. Yeah. Um, and one of the things uh, in the video is they showed these, like, Ninja stars that they're throwing to the bottom of the ocean. and so create, what, what is that all about? <laughs> okay, so that's, that's one of the newest things we're working with Secor. So when you look at the scope of the problem, you're not dealing with a dead coral here, a dead coral. You're dealing with swaths of dead coral. So if you think about if you're going to take something out the size of your fist and plant it, and it takes you five minutes to take it, prepare it, glue it down, take another one, glue it down, that's incredibly labor-intensive. Yeah. Um, so what we're developing now is a technique where you can be literally kind of like Johnny Appleseed and mm-hmm. go and just sow these ninja stars, like you say. <laughs> that's little, what they look like. What do they do? It's a scientific ser- term. Uh, ceramic or uh, cement. Okay. Depends on which one's Kelsey's using. writing that down. She's tweeting that right now. The guy said Ninja Star. That's so cool. Is it when I was looking at it, I was thinking this is something that you could have a 3D printer creating. Well, people have a problem with but using plastic. plastics. Yeah, yeah but, but you know, as that technology absolutely, yeah. changes. The, the, the thing you run into is we want to help it, the ocean. So those, when we, we talk about the settlement cues for corals. We, we get the cues for them to settle on these tiles. Mm-hmm. 
and grow and make sure they're established, and we can put out hundreds of thousands at a time. So do you, do, you, do you populate a tile and then toss it into the ocean? Is that how that works? In the basic form, yeah. There's I, lots, I, I, lots I, I, of goes into it. But yeah. yeah, there's a lot more yeah. to that. You have to tell the coral something. You have to give it a cue that it wants to settle. And a lot of those cues are other coral species. There's a certain biofilms, bacteria, viruses mm-hmm. growing on the substrates that you we'll want to We'll give you in. HBO. And, yeah, exactly. And, right. It's not and, a pad form. And like that. And then the coral goes, okay, I'll settle. Yeah, so you that's can watch what John that's, Oliver. That's what Seacore is <laughs> mainly working on now is being able to do large areas mm-hmm. with multiple species because we're never going to return coral reefs to what they were. But we want to get services back from them. Nothing okay, well, that takes me to, to the, the big question, because I, I, and I do want to get to Michelle real quickly, a quick report on your trip, because uh, you got all kinds of information. Are you optimistic uh, about the future of coral uh, in the world? Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, if, I, if I wasn't optimistic, I wouldn't be a doing A qualified this. yes? Is that, is that yeah. what that is? If I didn't believe in what we're doing right now, I wouldn't be of course spending as much right. time doing it. So I think mm-hmm. I, I don't want to waste my time and do something that's going to be useless in 10 years. Yeah. But we have seen that corals we outplanted are reproducing. Are they? In areas that okay. there were no corals before, or there used to be corals that are dead. So we know those conditions are still out there for corals to do okay in. And the matter, one of the biggest problems now is so many corals have disappeared that it's hard for them to mate mm-hmm. anymore. You know, it's yeah. like trying to have a, a mating session with someone three blocks away. You mm-hmm. wink your eye, they're not mm-hmm. going to see you. Yeah. Yeah. Corals are the same way. So we, that's we come in and kind of play the matchmaker. And, Playing yeah. God. And <laughs> <laughs> are, are there priority species? Matchmaker. Absolutely, yeah. Um, the Caribbean species, uh, elkhorn coral, is probably the most important to us right mm-hmm. now. But we are working with other species, too, because it's, it's a coral reef. It's not a single coral. I know there's lots of species, and they all do different things mm-hmm. out there. What can people do to help? Ugh, educate yourself. Um, don't throw but, stuff into the ocean. You know, in, yeah. in you Chicago, know? you don't think about it too much. The I know. Plastic winds up in the river system. It runs up the Mississippi. It runs up, winds up down in the ocean. And those straws that you throw away, paper bags, all the stuff, I see this stuff The shed the is, uh, is big on uh, no straws. Yeah, they, this, you, this you, year made the, yeah. made the commitment to no yeah. straws. You guys uh, are one of the uh, the, the, the trailblazers in that. Well, it's a, it's a plastic that, that can't be recycled. And <laughs> you use it for 10 minutes and you throw it away. I know, do, it's do, stupid. Do you need right. it? We got two minutes here, and then Rick DeMaio. So, tell me, Michelle, about your trip uh, in two minutes. Well, I, th- I want to just sort of dovetail something off of what Mark is saying, and you asked what we can do to support it, and it's I can't state enough how important it is. I'm going to put the shameless pitch for Shed out there. The science they are doing is so important, mm-hmm. and we have to support them, and we have to go to their functions, and we have to you know support their work and visit often, and and like you say, take the knowledge forward. Um, in Florida, you know, I got to be out in the field a little bit and work with some scientists who are doing very similar work to what Mark is doing, uh, which is really exciting. And Dr. Vaughn, who we've referenced earlier in the in the conversation, has said he will not retire until he has planted a million corals. And he was featured in AARP wow. magazine recently. Yep. He's a very cool guy. Mark and I were talking oh, yeah. about that. One of the sta- station breaks his flip-flops and his Hawaiian shirts he's known for. But what a cool guy. Um, and it's inspiring to see people out there doing the work and just not giving up. Um, so that was exciting. And then also, of course, these blackwater dives. I mean, you know, part of what we were there to document is this massive migration of stuff that that comes up at night. And, uh, you know, it, it really is kind of a come as you are party because you're not really 100 percent sure what you're going to find. Some of these animals are seasonally present. Uh, some are ever present. And um, it's really exciting to just drift in the ocean at night. It's not something that I've ever done in 30 years of scuba diving. So a little tease here. Did you find any uh, effects from the black or the horizon? Deepwater Horizon spell. <laughs> um, not in that particular part of the ocean, but um, we did talk to some scientists who are doing research on the impacts to the Gulf area. 
Uh, okay. Because in the future, we'll we'll have something. Oh, like yes. That. All right, all right. More to come. More to come. <laughs> and that's uh, Michelle Hoffman and uh, Mark Schick uh, doing uh, great work. Uh, Rick DeMaio does great work, too. He's next. Streets Alive, Evanston's free annual Open Streets event is coming to Main Street in Evanston on September 10th from 1 to 5 p.m. Streets Alive features a climbing wall, yoga, karate demos, music, interactive art, delicious food, and more. It also includes the Evanston Green Living Festival for folks looking for products, services, and ideas that promote sustainable lifestyles. For details, visit evanstonstreetsalive.org. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at restorethenorthshore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Join Crate Free Illinois on Friday, August 25th for a discussion about factory farms at Nana Organic Restaurant in the Bridgeport neighborhood of Chicago. Mike Novak will moderate a panel about the threat of factory farms in Illinois. Noted sustainability experts will be there, including Mark Ayers, Illinois Director for the Humane Society, which is launching its Illinois Agriculture Advisory Council. That's August 25th at Nana, 3267 South Halstead Street in Chicago. It starts at noon and it's free. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Find out what's going on in Evanston. Tune in to Haggerty's Huddle every other Monday on French and Friends. Brought to you by Chicago Lee Magazine. Name the city's top magazine. Don't just read more, read better. Driving oh, here we are. Downtown Atlantis. My Barracuda was in the shop, so I was in a rented stingray, and it was overheating. So I pulled into a shell station. They said I'd blown a seal. I said, <laughs> fix the damn thing and leave my private life out of it, okay, pal? While they were doing that, I walked over to a place called the Oyster Bar, a real dive. But I knew the owner. He used to play for the Dolphins. I said, hi, Gil. You have to yell. He's hard of hearing. All right. That's, uh, that's it. That's it. That, that, he crossed the line right there. Okay. <laughs> so that's, You asked for it. Uh, I, I, I know. <laughs> okay. There you, there you go. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We thought Mr. DeMaio was going to be with us. We're calling. And uh, we're not getting... Uh, we're, we're rickless. We're rickless today. <laughs> uh, and I needed that forecast for Southern Illinois. And Ben uh, continues. We've texted him, and you know, who knows where he is. Uh, he's out of range. You know, with Rick, it's, it's, you, you get what Ooh. you get. So, oh, it's ringing. One ringy-dingy, two ringy-dingy. Okay, so maybe <laughs> we will have... Oh, aha. There we are. We have a Rick. All right. Dum, 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 dum. Wait, wait. Oh, where's Alan? Alan! 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 Rick! 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 Alan! Okay. 
and here he is, the late meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Hey, Rick. The, the, the late? I didn't know I passed. <laughs> it's one. It's one of those uh, what Little. viral things now, right? Don't they always do that? Those death death uh, viral videos. Oh yeah, you know right? you, oh, you, yeah. you go on Facebook, you the go, rumor. oh look who passed, and of course it's not true at all. I, I, I hate that stuff. That's how you know you're famous, right? That's uh, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> I didn't know I had to die virtually to become famous, but I'll I'll go ahead and take it. Yeah, your your buddy uh, Michelle Hoffman is in the studio. Hello, uh, Michelle. How are you? What's up, Rick? And uh, Mark, Mark Schick from the Shed Aquarium is here as well. And, Hello. Uh, the, the Shed may be a good place to be tomorrow because you're not going to be able to see the eclipse. Uh, in Chicago. Right, in Chicago. Yeah, a lot of cloud cover coming through. No, what about, still get dark. What about Carbondale? <laughs> uh, Carbondale looks okay. I just sent you a ton of information to help you out. Uh, but unfortunately, the pattern that we're under right now uh, is going to be the pattern that will be under tomorrow, but shifted about 500 miles east. So the overcast guys that you see are basically blow-off clouds um, from what meteorologists like to call an MCS, that's a mesoscale convective system, meso meaning medium-scale uh, convective meaning thunderstorms in this time of the year because the upper-level winds generally blow from the west-southwest at about eh, 30, 40, maybe 50 miles an hour. Uh, the thunderstorm, the anvil, tends to blow off in a very large direction to the northeast, the east, and the southeast. Um, and because we're under that pattern today, and the core of where these thunderstorms are supposed to develop is basically upstream from us, that means that the clouds blow downstream, and unfortunately right across much of Missouri. And now it appears um, about two-thirds of the northern part of Illinois, which means uh, if it's like this now, it'll probably be even worse tomorrow. So while Aww. it appears to be, yeah, it'll be it'll be dark. Um, but I think forget about the glasses, forget about all those little, you know, contraptions that people are running out to get to see the eclipse itself. Uh, you won't be seeing that. Wait. But if you are heading down, Mike, I know that your question was, what about Carmondale? Yeah. Um, if you can get a little bit further south and east, and again, the links that I send you, I think you're going to be really good. Uh, because these are high-resolution, goes 16, one-minute uh, resolution with an enhanced background. If you look at the imagery, you can actually see the ground through the satellite or with the satellite. Um, that'll give you a pretty good indication of where to go to. And I think uh, further south and east, parts of extreme southern Indiana, western Kentucky and into Tennessee is probably going to be better than the Carbondale area. Uh, you know, and, and actually, that's where we were headed. We were headed a little more east, and I'm trying to. Which which one of those, Peggy, is the one that's got the? It's the attachment in the read this or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. All yeah, right. There, there, there's a link there. You can kind of look at that link. But if you look at um, uh, not so much the, the satellite loop shows you what's happening now, um, or I should say, what was happening about three hours ago up until now, um, and then there's an image that actually shows you. Um, one frame of the GOES 16 imagery. Mm-hmm. Because that's such a large file, I couldn't fit it in there as a movie. But if you want to share that link um, with Michelle and some of your other uh, listeners, Mike, uh, that'll give you a pretty good idea of where things are going to be. Clearly, we have forecast models that predict cloud cover, but the forecast models are only good as the thunderstorms that they predict. So because these type of clouds are not generated from what we call a synoptic large-scale storm system, 
the clouds are basically uh, are remnants of thunderstorms. So if the models can't predict the thunderstorms, they won't predict the cloud cover. But large thunderstorm complexes, which is what we have out there right now, are usually pretty well handled uh, by the miracle models of today. And if the models are picking up the clouds uh, with this system today, they'll be pretty good tomorrow. So that's one of the reasons why meteorologists like to use consistency in even mesoscale forecasts to make a prediction. And pretty much all bets are off around here tomorrow to see, um, to see the eclipse without maybe getting into a plane and getting above 20,000 feet. Wow. Oh. That's yeah. not good. That's not good <laughs> no, for Chicago. Not good. Uh, not good. I'm looking at uh, uh, an article that Kathleen just sent me. Uh, Goreville, Illinois, twenty. Goreville. Goreville. Uh, Goreville. Oh. Okay, Wait, and I'm Italy, and right? I'm not I've not heard of this, but uh, it's obviously in the path of the eclipse. Twenty twenty six point two million people in range of <laughs> of Goreville. Wow! All yeah. closing in on one bar. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, did you say one one bar or, or, one, or, or one bar in your Wi-Fi? I mean, just think about there think won't about be what's that. What's going to happen, guys, with with your Wi-Fi down? It's going to be sucked clean. <laughs> I'm yeah, no one no. will have battery left on their phones as they're all trying to hit the Wi-Fi. I have a right. flip phone, Rick. I think I'm good. <laughs> I, I think so. But 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 Mike, if you are heading down there, how yeah. many how many um, how many gallons of gasoline are you putting in a, an auxiliary little um, you know uh, a carrying case in your car? I'm gonna I'm gonna be filled up when we get okay. to the area, uh, and you know it's what about on the way back. We're going tonight. Uh, I right. you know, and I'm still concerned. I have no idea what kind of traffic we'll have on the way down today. And then we will be about 30 miles from the path of totality tomorrow. And okay. my fe- my feeling is I'll get up at 4 a.m. and try to travel 30 miles in eight hours and see if I can do it. Uh, right. Just just a word of advice. I would go to your local um, hardware store yeah. and get at least two containers of gasoline, you know, the ones that you see people walking down the highway mm-hmm. with with that frown on your face. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. Trust me. Fill it up. <laughs> Well, there's also no up. porta potties anywhere. That's the other problem. Yeah, that's the other thing. Right. I, I, I guarantee you, you're going to run into problems with not only 50 cars in line, but gas stations running out of gas. Those places there, they only have a limited number of gas, and I'm sure they haven't said, "Well, we'll have an auxiliary truck waiting by." <laughs> They're not going to do that. Yeah, you're probably this right. Is, I think that's. What we, I, I, we, yeah. I think we're really going to see the power of social media making this <laughs> event something that we've never seen before. It really is going to be quite cool. Unbelievable. It's just yeah, uh, yeah. And, and 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 we've been looking for the last couple of days, and and what yeah. the folks are telling everybody is they've never seen anything like this before, so we have right, no idea right. what to expect. Well, and, uh, and I know we only have a few seconds left, but the worst thing about this yeah. is it's going to be absolutely perfect viewing conditions on Wednesday. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Rick. Of course. Yeah. Alan, cloudy, cloudy tomorrow, rain on Tuesday, beautiful on Wednesday. <laughs> there we go. Thanks, Rick. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll let you know good. how it goes. Take sure. care. I want to thank Jessica Chipkin, Scott Beckstead, Mark Schick, Michelle Hoffman, Ariana, Ben, uh, Kelsey. Anybody else? Did I miss anybody? Ellen. 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 Until uh, next week, go green or go, go home. home. Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. <laughs>